So um, with the new, which is the old way, with the new way that we're doing the uh, service order, which is, of course, the old way, but we've just gotten back to it. I think it's a blessing that we have enough children coming to church to worry about children's church again. Kids are slowly drifting back into Sunday school, which is an immense blessing. I don't, I don't want to harp on it to the people that are here. Thank you for being here, for prioritizing coming to church. Thank you. Unfortunately, I, I can't help but keep seeing that church isn't always a priority. It seems to be the easiest thing to not do. And if you have health concerns, I'm not bashing you. I'm really not. If you have places you have to be, I'm not bashing you. All I'm saying is, um, it's when church stops being a priority, churches shrink. Churches go away. You see it everywhere. I do not want I do not want to be in a place where this church doesn't exist. I don't want to be in a place where there's less churches to attend. But again, I'm not going to aim that message at you because, well, you're here. So thank you. Um, I'm going through the book of Acts still. We're going to take a little bit of respite from Acts coming up in the near future. Um, because we have, well, we have next week, and then after that, we actually, and the week after, but then we'll be into Advent. So two more Sundays, and then it'll be the Advent season already. Hard to believe. And me and Don are both kind of been competing over who's the bigger Grinch in the congregation. So um, just going to make it about Jesus, because the second we make it about the other stuff, I get all mouthy. Am I right? Am I wrong? I'm mouthy. I don't know. But I will tell you Merry Christmas. I will celebrate the birth of Christ. And honestly, what's so neat, and I bring it up often, is there's two times a year you can talk about Jesus as much as you want, and if someone gets offended, they're the jerk. That is Christmas and Easter. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. If someone gets offended for someone saying Merry Christmas, it, even in society where we're so sensitive... People are like, wow, you're just kind of uptight, aren't you? And it's the same with Easter. I'm not saying people won't be offended, and we should never encourage people to be offended. However, let's celebrate. Everything can go away. Everything. Everything can go away. The world is so different from even when I was a young man, which unfortunately I'm not anymore. I'm in the middle, right in the middle. If I was a carton of milk, you'd start eating more cereal because you got to make sure we get through this one. I'm in the middle. Anyway, or maybe I'm at the end. We never really know. It's okay, though. I know where I'm going. So in Acts 10, 1 through 8, we hear about the man in Caesarea, Cornelius, who's a centurion of the Italian regiment. He's described as a God-fearer. God-fearers are not Jews, but they worship God. In fact, they try to take part in as many Jewish things as they can as worship to God without actually submitting to circumcision. Were they to do that, then they would just be called a convert to Judaism. This centurion is a God-fearer. 
He is worshiping God to the best of his ability as a non-Jew. It says that he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. He has a dream or a vision, I suppose, and an angel tells him, Cornelius. I think that's so fun that usually when someone encounters an angel, the first thing out of their mouth is the person's name. Angels have a tendency to just address the person they're talking to, so there's no mistake. Yep, he's here for me. I also enjoy this thing that we've lost as a Christian church, I think, is Cornelius's response. Cornelius is a, he's a Roman soldier. He is about as brave as you get. Roman soldiers are, they're, they're fighting with big knives. They're running in and attacking people who can very easily kill them back. That's what a Roman soldier does. I'm sure that if he is a centurion, he has been in many a battle. He is not scared easily, I guarantee you. But the first thing that he has when he sees an angel of the Lord is fear. He stares at him in fear. And something I fear, <laughs> didn't mean to just do that. Something that I worry about is that we as Christians don't have a healthy fear of the holy. We're very flippant with our faith. In fact, people make jokes about our faith. People within our faith make jokes about our faith. We're very flippant with holiness. But if you read scripture, no one encountering the holy has a flippant attitude. They are scared. When the finite touches the infinite, your response is fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. God is blessing him for his obedience. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him was gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. As we reach this Thanksgiving time of year, which is hands down my favorite holiday, what can you say about Thanksgiving that is negative? I'll even throw that down as a challenge. Who has a negative for Thanksgiving? Oh, boy. Oh, boo. Well, you know, some people's negative is my biggest blessing. Um, raisin pie is fantastic, but thank you. There will always be a piece of raisin pie left for me if it's just me and Marlene there. But aside from the uh, opportunity for gluttony, What's the negative you have about Thanksgiving? And it's because I think we celebrate Thanksgiving the way we should celebrate holidays. We gather together, we say what we're thankful for, and we fellowship. That's it. That's the whole holiday. If Christmas was celebrated the exact same way, I wouldn't be mouthing off. Or would I? Who knows? But boy, Thanksgiving is just a glorious time, especially for those who truly believe in God. 
It's an amazing time. And as we reach this uh, time of the year where we're talking about the things that we're most thankful for, you'll notice the scriptures, the one that Don read and the one that Kyle read and that I'm going back through here. They talk about Gentiles being called to Jesus. They are bringing the, those outside of grace and salvation in. Show of hands, how many of you know that you're of Jewish lineage? Yeah. <laughs> how many of you know Jesus? <clears throat> this is a big deal for us. When we have these accounts of the people that are on the outside of Judaism, do you think anyone is trying to get a Roman oppressive soldier to convert to Judaism? Probably not. Probably not. They don't really want them. However, this fun thing that God does, we've already seen it with the conversion of Paul, is God takes that least qualified person and says, you, you. Which reminds me of that, and it's a Greg Boydism, love him or hate him, Greg Boyd does some pretty fantastic writing sometimes. And don't hate, God tells us not to. But some of the things he says, I strongly disagree. But what he says that I wholeheartedly affirm is he will never look into the eyes of someone Jesus wasn't willing to die for. And I don't care where they're from. And I don't care what they've done. And I don't care what they've done to me. You will never look into the eyes of someone that Jesus wasn't willing to die for. And that is illustrated in these two stories of centurions. Centurions I relate to as well because um, as someone with military background who is now part of a peace church, and I do affirm being part of a peace church, that stance is incredibly important to me. I really appreciate the presence of those centurions in scripture, that anything that a Roman soldier did did not disqualify him from service to Jesus Christ. That is good news. That is great news. I think that when we are looking through scripture, there is a tendency, and it's good within reason, there is a tendency for us to read the Bible as though we're Jews. Which when you're in the Old Testament is actually kind of a healthy practice within reason. We tend to read these verses as though we're the Jews in the Old Testament. We're not. We're the centurion in the New Testament. We're those that were grafted in later. We're those that are completely and totally reliant on Jesus Christ because we're outside of that system he set up that we wouldn't have been able to follow anyway. This is the greatest thing I am thankful for in life is that Jesus died for me and that Jesus died for you because us by ourselves are a train wreck at best. The things that I do to try to make my life better usually either backfire or have no value. No value happens way more than backfire, but backfire, you remember, way clearer. 
Oftentimes, I don't think to, to pray about small decisions. Is that bad? Probably. I do all these things sometimes. I get in this, this uh, groove, and I'm sure that many of you church people do. We get in this groove of serving God, which is good. And we get so comfortable in that groove that we forget why we're doing it. And then it just becomes running on a hamster wheel. Is the world a better place because you're serving? Well, yeah. But did you forget why you were serving? Yeah. You are now missing out on all benefit that you had. Is, is, are things still better because you're serving? Sure. I'm not going to discourage people from serving. Serve. God calls us to serve. But we're supposed to serve as though we're doing it for God. And sometimes I get so caught up between teaching at a Christian school and pastoring at a, at a Mennonite church that things almost become automatic that never should. I don't think there's, I think, actually think that, uh, what's the word I'm like, routine is wonderful. I wake up in the morning, I read my Bible, I do this and I do this. Those are great things to do. But something that I've learned over trying to read as much scripture as possible is sometimes you get more out of one verse than forcing yourself to read five chapters. So I'm going to say something that is almost antithetical to everything I've told you to up to this point. Please read your Bible as often as possible. That part isn't antithetical. That's what I've been saying all along. Read your Bible as much as possible. But when you find something that catches, I want you to meditate on that. Try to figure out why that's the one. That's the verse. That's the section. That's the chapter. That's the one that's in your head that's haunting you. Meditate on that. Pray about that. And don't worry about the fact that you fell three chapters behind on your goal to read the Bible in 90 days or whatever else I've challenged you to do recently. I want you to read as much scripture as possible because that's how we see God. That's how God speaks to us. Can God speak to us in other ways? Sure. How will God speak to you? Through scripture. That's the one that I know without fail. God will speak to you if you're reading scripture. I have never had God speak to me audibly. I know people who say they have. I'm not saying God didn't. I'm just saying God has never audibly spoken to me. If you tell me God told you, I want to know how. If you say God told me and then you quote something straight out of the Bible, you don't have to tell me how. That is sound. But I've had people say, God told me to name my middle daughter uh, Judethia or whatever. I don't know. I didn't want to put someone's name in there. But I just, I'm not saying he didn't, but I want to know what? Hmm. Just what? We do all these things. We do all these things. I know that was kind of a bunny and I apologize for that. I don't even remember how I got there because that wasn't a, an important part of that. The important part was read your Bible because God will speak to you through your Bible. God will teach you through the Bible, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And how do you have the presence of the Holy Spirit? You ask. 
How do you have the presence of Jesus in your life? You ask. God has given you everything you need. Maybe not everything you want, because maybe what you want isn't important. But God has given you everything that you need, and all you need to do is accept that he did it. Simply ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Does that mean your problems will go away? That just tells me, if you say yes, that tells me you didn't read the rest of this book. Your problems do not go away. Your purpose appears. And that's a difference. I have a tendency to say the same things many times, but they were profound life lessons to me, so I want them to sink in. I've said this many times. I probably will many more times before my expiration date. The meaning of life is none of your business. It does not pertain to you. What is the meaning of life? It has nothing to do with you. Nothing at all. It's none of your business. What is your purpose? That has everything to do with you. The big picture, you can't see it. You don't know it. I can't see it. I don't know it. It's none of our business. Your purpose is clearly spelled out. I was made to worship God and to enjoy him forever. That is my purpose. The meaning of life? I'll know someday. I won't be able to tell you because I'll be gone, but I'll know someday. You'll have to wait till you get there. Then you will know. Unless you beat me there, then you'll know and then I'll catch up. But all of this, though, has been offered to us because God didn't God didn't exclude those who aren't qualified. This grace is offered to us because God didn't exclude those who aren't qualified. What do these centurions offer within their own power to a God, to a true and living God? What do these people offer within their own power? Nothing. They have nothing to offer. What do I have on my own power to offer God? Nothing. Good wishes. Inadequate deeds. Yet through Christ, I can actually live a life worth living. And it's only through Christ that my life attains a higher value. All life has value. Don't mishear me. All life has value. But that higher meaning comes from Christ alone. I've been parts of giant groups, giant groups of people for the greater good. The only thing that I do or have done with any eternal value has been within the body of Christ. All the rest of it is filthy rags. All of it. Some of us in this room have gone to combat. Some of us got medals for it. I'm not ashamed of that. But what eternal value does it have? Filthy rags. Goes again on that giant stack of filthy rags. Doesn't make me closer to God. Doesn't make me closer to my family. It doesn't offer anything. 
Only Jesus. At the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, it's only Jesus. That's all we have worth clinging to. That's it. Don't cling to me. I'm going to die. I don't know when. I do like raisin cream pie, so we'll see. I don't know if that's good for you or bad for you. Raisins are great for you. Cream pies, not so much. We'll see if it balances out. I made health food for lunch today. Giant crock pot full of cabbage and bacon. See, that sounds like a joke. I don't know if I'm going to live a long time like my great-grandmother or a short time like my grandmother. Who knows? And in the long scheme of eternity, who cares? I know where my eternity is. I know where my value is. I know where my identity is. All of this is bonus levels. I thought I was going to die a long time ago. That sounds morbid. I'm okay with it. I never expected to live this long. Never expected to live this long. I've been blessed so abundantly. So incredibly. Now I kind of want to stick around a little longer because I want to, some of y'all are grandparents. I want to play that game someday. Man, that looks like a fun game. That would be a blessing. But if I miss out on it, I won't know. I'll be in the presence of God. I'll be busy. Busy being blissful. Anyhow, I apologize for uh, any sideways rants that happened during that. I've had a lot on my mind in the past few weeks. I haven't really gotten to preach in a while. It festers in the, in the cerebellum there. Um, but if I went a little off topic, it's because my mind is going in a lot of different directions. Life is messy and it's complicated. And we get so easily pulled into ideas and feelings and emotions and causes and blah, 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 blah. Doesn't all of this political, social, everything have a flavor of my daddy can whip your daddy? Kind of does, doesn't it? But I would like to invite you off the playground. We have the opportunity within. Go ahead and vote. Please vote. That's great. I love this country. Do, Do the country things too. But more importantly than that, can we be prayerful? Can we do the work of God and not confuse that for how you cast a ballot and not confuse that by whose team you're rooting for? Can we do the work of God and let all that junk be secondary or what it is? It's not that it's not important, but it pales in comparison. I don't care what team you're on when it comes to politics and social and blah, blah. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Every single person in power is better than Nero so far. So far. Better than the ones that Paul was telling you to pray for. That God put them in place. Have your opinions. Be moral. Be loud if you want to, but can we put the kingdom of God first? The kingdom of God. 
the glory of God. Let's put that first. Have I beat that dead horse enough? All right, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if that means yes or no, but I'll take it. All right. Um, can you please, you're like, I don't know how to respond to any of this. Um, if you can do so without pain, would you please stand with me? Father God, I thank you for your holy word. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for a life worth living. I thank you for the blessing of the people that you put in my life. Lord, I thank you that you care about my opinions, even though they don't always have that much value. Father, I pray that you would bless us as a family and a congregation of people that follow you. Lord, I pray that this Thanksgiving we would be thankful for one another and for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to meet each other's needs and carry each other's burdens and to celebrate the gift that is you. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I also pray that you would bless the food. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And as we get back to uh, our regularly scheduled program, um, I lost my bulletin again. Those things dissolve, I promise you. Just please stay for lunch. But remember, when you go in there, just find a seat. They're going to do something quick first. The food smells amazing. If you guys see me grab more than two plates, knock the plate out of my hand. Okay? I mean it. I'm giving myself a bonus plate because it's Thanksgiving. But if you see me grab more than two plates, knock the plate out of my hand. 